How's it going, everybody? This is Jason here with the Cal Park Bros. Hello to all the Cal Park Bros stalkers, Cal Park Bros nerds, and fans of the show in general. And if you are a fan of the show, you probably noticed that our episode count has been rising. And also, our anniversary is fast approaching. That's right, folks. One year of the Cal Park Bros. Can you believe that? One year. But with that in mind, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you what you thought our best moments of the show were, our best segments, what you liked about the show, what you didn't like, what works for you when it comes to the show. We just want to hear from you. So make sure you go to calparkbros.com, click on that message button there, send us a voicemail that way, or go to the actual voicemail phone line at 405-877-BROS. Or if you want to send us a message on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, that works just fine. We want to hear from you. So make sure you do that. And let us know. We're going to compile all the information we get. And we're going to incorporate that into our actual anniversary episode. But once again, thank you for all you do for the Cal Park Bros. We appreciate that. Now let's get to the show. All right, dog. Count us in whenever you're ready. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Cal Park Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in for the Batcave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? What up, y'all? It's your boy, Jason. Once again, on Tuesday, here with my buddy, Terrence, ready to do another episode of the Cal Park Bros Podcast. Terrence, wearing an interesting choice for hat today. I won't go too much into it. Both wait till the video comes out. You can make your own judgments. But let's, let's get into it, buddy. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> looks like looks like somebody already did with that hat on, bro. So <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll see. Let's get to the show, we'll bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This the the live episode might be happening sooner than later. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. This is episode 41 of the Cal Park Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Cal Park Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast for fans of culture, current events, sports, life, and entertainment. As always, we're your hosts, Terrence and Jason, and every single Thursday we bring you a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we loathe. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. For most folks, for more Cowboy Bros content, make sure you connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok for more behind the scenes of the Cow Park Bros show. And just to engage with us every single day. But most importantly, don't forget that the Cow Park Bros podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? That's right, folks. Like Terrence said, we are the podcast to hear and watch despite his hat. But make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. All right. No shade aside. Uh, first thing we're going to cover... What a, an amazing weekend of NFL content and high quarterback play we experienced this past weekend. Every game was close. And not just close, but every game was good and close. You know what I'm saying? And so the 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 cherry on top of that Sunday that was NFL divisional weekend, Jason, is that we had an, uh, a game for the ages uh, with the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs uh, that ended up going into overtime. And frankly, uh, many, many fans on social media were so geeked up by the fact that, you know, 25 points were uh, scored in literally two minutes, if that. Um, they didn't want the game to end. And Kansas City gets the ball in overtime. And basically, that's the way it works with the current iteration of National Football League rules is if you score a touchdown in overtime, you win the end. Um, you got a lot of people saying that that doesn't appear to be truly fair to both sides. 
I've heard other points of opinion about this indicating, look, you didn't had damn near four quarters to figure it out. Um, why do we need to keep, you know, stretching out the game even longer? Especially when you know these cats got a game. One of these teams got a game a week from now. So, Jason, what are your thoughts as to what some NFL fans are saying? Oh, we need to change the overtime uh, rules related to uh, the National Football League. So, first off, let me go ahead and say that I didn't see the game live, unfortunately, as far as on television because I was occupied doing the other things. I was keeping track of the game on my phone, like with the sports tracker or whatnot. And I will say, even from that aspect of seeing the score changing so much, in the last two minutes, I thought my phone was broken. I'm like, what's wrong with my phone, bro? But come to find out, that was actually legit. Like you said, 25 points in those last two minutes, which is which is nuts. So I think that's what is kind of going into why this is coming up specifically right now. It's really just living in the living in the moment. So you mentioned that all the games were close this weekend, and they were, including the game in the Wisconsin state featuring the 49ers and the Wisconsin football team. <clears throat> now, that game didn't go to overtime, but I believe the score was 13 to 10. And uh, I believe it was a last-second field goal that won it for the 49ers. So what I'm wondering is, if that game had gone to overtime and not this Chiefs-Bills game, people, people would still be screaming out for changing the overtime rules. Or were they only saying that because of a 36-36 game went to overtime and it ended on the first possession? Would they be saying the same thing if it entered 10-10 in overtime, it ended the same way with a touchdown in the first possession. I venture to say probably not for most people because they wanted the excitement to keep going because they assumed that the Bills would come back down and score on the next possession, which they may have. But to that I say, well, let me go back a little bit. Danny Cannell, former NFL quarterback, played in college as well, uh, basically stated that he felt like Josh Allen and the Bills didn't even have a chance, quote-unquote. And that's why he says that the, it's the worst overtime in sports, what happens in the NFL. Well, my thought of that is their offense didn't have a chance, no. But they still were on the field on defense, so the Bills could have stopped them or, or even held them to the field goal. If they held them to a field goal, the Bills would have got the ball back with a chance to win or tie the game, but they didn't. They allowed the touchdown, and so they had a chance. It just wasn't on offense. So I don't want to hear none of that, but they didn't have a chance. Boo-hoo, get over it. Or your, or your your chance was not to let them score as many points as they did in the last two minutes. So their chance their, their chance was, hey fam, you you know you only got thirteen seconds, right? Exactly. So so I definitely don't feel sorry for the Bills whatsoever. Um, that's my initial thought. I think people are just living in the moment and just mad that this exciting game ended. I think because they ended period. Um, that that's my initial thoughts. What about yourself? Yeah, I first off, I think props to you addressing the fact that look, if Pat Mahomes throws a, throws an interception, then what? That game in 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 the, in the last thirteen seconds, that game's over. Congrats, the Bills win. But I think I think it's this idea where they feel like, oh, well, we're just gonna have these guys play pretty much until I don't know, like. To to me, I the, the overtime rule for the National Football League is doing what it's supposed to do. If I can actually score a touchdown, and I think objectively we can acknowledge touchdowns are sexier than field goals. Agreed. Unless 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 it's unless 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 it's a field goal against Green Bay from one former Bear, Robbie Gold, then it might be as good as a touchdown. But for the rest of you, you mere mortals, touchdown, it's 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 a it's a more sexier uh uh highlight. I mean, and it's definitive. There is no, oh, we didn't score a touchdown. No, you scored a touchdown. Which means the other team didn't stop you from getting a touchdown. You don't like it, stop them. <laughs> Not to mention, we had a Super Bowl decided in OT. Did we not? P Pats versus the Falcons, for Christ's sake. So this is this is old news. Jason, I think you're right. People being prisoners of the moment, they feel like, oh, we got cheated. 
He didn't get cheated. The best fucking game, arguably, of all time. I wish every game could be like that. And it wasn't like it was bad defense. It's just the level of quarterback play was so exceptional to me, to me, especially with the Bills and the Chiefs, man. Like, we can talk about, oh, these guys are open. I'm like, well, it's not anybody uh, anybody's fault on the Buffalo Bills that Tyreek Hill is literally the roadrunner, okay? <laughs> you realize – you realize how disrespectful and yet awesome at the same time it is that you can give somebody the peace sign at like the 15 or the 20 yard line. And they're, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Right. You can't do that in real life. You can't, you can't, you can't throw up the peace sign to the state trooper while you going 90. That's called speed privilege, son. It, it's not that the defense was bad. It's that the offense is superior. That's what it is. <laughs> and that's what's so in- impressive about the display of athleticism and just overall play is like, listen, I wish every I wish every wildcard weekend could be like the division round was this past Saturday and Sunday. I really do. This is how geeked up people should have been wildcard weekend. So that, that that's just my thought, man. Not also, if overtime isn't decided off of a field goal like it used to be for the national football football um overtime rules, then I really don't care. Listen, Buffalo got the short end of the stick this time. Who knows? They may get. The, they may they may get the benefit the next time. That is just the way life goes. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to make that as a point of reference that if people remember what the old or rather the previous overtime rules were, where they could end on a first possession field goal. Now that was, was now also they changed that because they recognized that that was definitely not fair at all. Somebody gets a good kickoff return, drive the ball ten yards, boom, field goal range, kick that game over. Now, the same premise exists that, yeah, if you don't want that to happen, then, then stop. I get it. But what I wonder is, okay, people pushing or, or moaning and crying about the overtime rules for NFL changing, well, what do you want it to change it to? Do you want to change it to the college football rules for overtime? If your answer to that is no, then I really have to ask you, what do you want, want to change it to? And in actuality, as uh, far as NCAA college football, they actually adjusted their overtime rules as well uh, for this, this past year in 2021 as well. But basically, the, the basic gist of the difference between college football overtime and NFL football overtime is each team guarantee, is guaranteed to have the ball on offense at least one time. Now, some of that uh, obviously going to differ. The same premise is field goal. You can, you can field goal, but the other team gets a touchdown. You know, you lose. That premise still exists as well. Um, games can go into lo- a multiple number of overtimes, six, seven, eight overtimes. I think the LSU game versus somebody who's seven, like in 18, 2018 with seven overtimes. And that's partially wh- why the NFL doesn't want their game going way too long. One, like you said, one of these teams has a game next week. And two, obviously, obviously the NFL is a very violent game. And as less plays you can have if possible while still keeping a fair competition is a good thing. And that's really what the college football did with their overtimes. They reducing the number of plays that are run, but still giving each chance that team a chance to win it, you know, on offense, potentially. Now, obviously, the games can, can still potentially go, you know, seven or eight overtimes. But, but again, I question, I'll ask you, not to say that you're somebody pushing for the NFL overtime rules to change, but what would you think, well, if it's not the college football rules, what can they really change in the NFL to make it more fair to both teams without having to get going to two overtimes or even going the full length of the first overtime? I can't even think of anything. That was another thing, too. Like, Buffalo fucked up that kick. You're giving an MVP quarterback literally the ball at the 40. There's nothing I can think of to change because ultimately it's fine the way it is. I I would much rather 
I, I look at this debate as something that like bookies want to feed more into like, Hey, I bet, I bet we can have a parlay on how many overtimes this goes into or something like that. Um, and I'm not, I can't wait for the hate mail saying, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about on my parlays because I don't bet on sports. It doesn't matter. Point is, is that you, I think I'm not even approaching it from a purist perspective. I'm just saying, look, they don't say it is not, un, don't say it's not fair. Because Buffalo had as many chances to capture victory as Kansas City did. That's that that's that's where it is for me. Is that as much as it is, it was Kansas City's for the taking. A couple pl- plays go different. Buffalo Buffalo's playing playing this year this week. So don't 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 make the the fairness. Uh, play, because <laughs> I don't think that's what it's about. <laughs> I really don't. And and on the on the, and on the uh, flip side of that, I also don't think that many of these individuals were concerned about how many, uh, how how many how much time was being taken up by these games either. It's like, hey, we just have everybody play until you know, because no one's got anything better else to do Monday morning. Fucking degenerates. <laughs> so, yeah. NFL f- football overtime rules are fine. They're doing their job. Everyone should be like an NFL overtime rule because they're actually doing what they were supposed to do. So, those are my thoughts, Jay. All right. That concludes our segment on NFL overtime rules. Coming up next. We'll be discussing the Supreme Court ruling on the Biden Biden vaccine mandate. Coming up next on Cal Park Roads. remember what life was like before the Cal Park Bros podcast? I used to be a guy living his life. Not much excitement until I heard the Cal Park Bros podcast. I went from being a zero to a hero. And that's because I liked, subscribe, share, left five-star review, voicemails to the Cal Park Bros podcast. Terrence and Jason, they need your help as well. Make sure that you're listening. Make sure that you're sharing. You're checking out the social medias. You're leaving voicemails. You're giving five-star reviews. Because, hey, life before the Cal Park Bros wasn't very nice. But life with the Cal Park Bros is very, very nice. Terrence and Jason, let's get this podcast rolling. See ya! Park Bros podcast. Jason and I are fresh off the first segment discussing the merits of the NFL overtime rules. Jason, we didn't even bring up that uh, the Chiefs got screwed over in 2019 by the exact same rules, did they not? That is correct. And I, I do want to point out real quick that Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan both have expressed that they'd be fine with the overtime rules changing. And Andy Reid, like this is going to be whatever you want to say, but Andy Reid even said, that he does, in a way, feel 
sorry or bad for the Bills regarding that, regarding that specific situation. Obviously, he's glad they won. The Chiefs did, but still. Yeah. I, if it's not broke, don't fix it. In segment two, we're going to be discussing uh, the, uh, the uh, vaccine mandate uh, for federal workers. Uh, this is the mandate President Biden uh, signed off earlier this year, or I'm sorry, earlier last year um, in the fall. Um, and I'm referencing an article from NPR uh, by Alana Wise. Federal court blocks Biden's vaccine mandate for federal workers. A federal court in Texas on Friday blocked the administration's vaccine requirement for federal workers, which has been in place since November, in a ruling that the administration is expected to appeal. President Biden announced in September that he would require the federal workforce of over 3.5 million people to be vaccinated unless they had a medical or religious exemption. According to the White House, as of Friday, 98% of federal workers were in compliance with the policy, and over 92% of federal workers had already received at least one vaccine dose when the mandate took effect in December. The injunction comes uh, just over a week after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the vaccine or test rule for large private employers. Um, justices left in place the vaccination mandate for healthcare workers at facilities receiving Medicare or Medicaid funding. Now, that article continues that private companies can still put in place uh, rules for their employees to get vaccinated or face formal reprimand. While some companies like Starbucks have dropped the vaccine or test requirement amid the new legal rulings, other um, employers like United Airlines have remained resolved um, on their internal vaccine policies. And just over the weekend, uh, workwear company Carhartt faced conservative outcry for reiterating its company policy mandating va vaccinations for its employees. Now, this is funny. This is a funny quote, Jason. Pretty rich from a company sustained by the ranchers, farmers, laborers who make this country great <laughs> and celebrate her values of freedom and liberty. Boycott Carhartt until they break. Conservative lawyer Molly McCann wrote on Twitter. Now, I... <laughs> Aside, aside from uh, that crazy-ass quote um, from Molly McCann, Jason, what are your thoughts on this latest ruling? I think it's just a part, a step in the direction of Biden's um, overall uh, vaccine mandate just being, you know, silly, waste of time, a joke, and being completely gone. I mean, the, the administration, as of earlier today, withdrew their COVID-19 vaccine mandate and testing rule for for businesses. They've already withdrawn that. So that's done off the table. It's gone. Uh, now, as far as that, real quick, of course, employers on their own can still do their own you know, mandate if they want, and that, that is what it is. But as far as this process, I mean, the I believe that same article or one from CNN indicated that the Biden administration, of course, is going to fight you know, the court's ruling on that. But my thought is, like I said, it's basically the first step of this not being a thing anymore far as the government aspect, far as OSHA involved. OSHA, OSHA, OSHA. Um, yeah, so, now, but the one thing I do kind of wonder, this, the article mentioned that the Supreme Court isn't, as of right now, going to mess with the healthcare workers part when it comes to taking away that mandate as well. I don't know if that's going to change. I can see why they would want to keep that. But this is just totally breaking down what Biden has done. Um, which also goes into what I was mentioning last week when it comes to things that were, are going to ha that have happened or are going to happen that are going to get Biden not reelected, even if he go is going against Trump. Again, that's an episode for last week, so we'll leave it there. But overall, like I said, I just don't. I never thought this was a good idea, obviously for personal reasons, but even just you know from a ethical, logistical standpoint, it was never. Is it, is, is it ethical or is it logistical, Jason? <laughs> well, it's, it's neither one. It's it's not logistical or ethical either, but mainly ethical. For a government that to, to the government to say to people, hey, get well, words that I've I've said several times now, so I don't feel like I need to repeat them. Yeah, it's not it's not ethical. The government should shouldn't have a hand on that. Employers, that's one thing, and I again, you know my opinion on that, but I feel like the government should have no hand in saying that. And again, obviously the Supreme Courts. Basically, telling Biden and his and his people, 
the same thing I'm saying. I mean, the irony, of course, is that the Supreme Court is part of the fucking government. That's well, <laughs> they are. Are they not a part of the government? Like, come on. Well, you know what I mean, though. So when I say government, I'm talking about the presidential government, not the court system per se. That's what I'm referring to, obviously. But I hear, I see your attempt at humor there. So kudos to you for that. It was it was an attempt at humor and logistics and ethics. How about that? Well, we well we know you have none of the three, so that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually looked at a little bit of the actual um, Supreme Court brief on this. And a big reason why they stated that OSHA couldn't do this is because OSHA previously had never instituted this sort of mandate based off of public health. That's not within their power to do so, but... Have been reading everything correctly. Is that what you saw as well, sir? Yeah, that's that's exactly what they said. They're not saying that the government doesn't have power to do that. They said this particular arm of the government historically had not done it. Well, going back to what I was saying before, like I said previously, again, this is all opinion. I think why Biden put it on OSHA, the labor department to do this, because that, that was a way of attempting to put it more on employers to do this stuff as opposed to him. Obviously it's coming from Biden. And now any employer that's gone ahead and done this because of Biden, I'm also curious about this. What is their stance going to be now? They put this stuff in place for all their employees to do. And I'm sure several employers actually had some, a lot of their employees comply because of it. Now all those employers who've said, well, we follow the guidelines for state, local, and all stuff like that, which I've heard a lot recently. Well, now what? You had this instituted because you thought it was in place. Now it's not. So now what are you going to do? Because now you don't have to. I, I don't have to. So. Well, well, Jason, let me put it to you like this. If somebody got the vaccine because they were like, damn, I don't want to lose this fucking job. And what are you going to do? You can't. It's, it's, it's not fucking Windows, Jason. You can't uninstall it. You either got the shot or you didn't. Okay. Agreed. And and so if somehow magically 5% people who were on the fence said, fuck it, I'm not losing this fucking gig over this. Hey, I consider that a net win. For who? For all of us. Okay. Go ahead. Because, hey, in the, in, in the micro, hey, you got to keep your job. And in the macro, guess what? Maybe, maybe that person didn't get as affected by COVID as they would have been otherwise. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, you know, these companies, many of these companies were just going to, from, from what I, from what I'm saying, many of these companies were going to do their own thing no matter what. Maybe. And I know we've been talking about fines left and right, fines federally, fines um, on a local level. Well, of, of well, where if company A doesn't do X, they'll get fined. Well, that's off the table now. Now you said that, or you said that it's off the table. Are you referring to companies that had a hundred and more employees? Yes. Is that uh, yeah? All the fines that they could have incurred by you know not complying with with the mandate. That's off the table now. So they're no longer subject to that mandate because it's off the table for the moment. So that's what's off the table for for the hundred or more employees businesses. Obviously, for federal workers, it's you know, even though it's been you know, knocked down by the Supreme Court, it's still in litigation, as we always say, which the Biden administration could still get that pushed back into place. And obviously, it's still in place for you know healthcare facilities that you know have Medicare, Medicaid, and stuff like that. But for for that huge sector of people we're talking we're talking about before episodes ago, the hundred million people. Who are of those businesses, they don't have the businesses themselves don't have to comply with that anymore. They can they probably still will for legal reasons, but technically they don't have to anymore. That's what I meant, sir. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I here here's what here's here's what I'm gonna say. I think it's just another reason you you look at the situation with Carhartt, where you you got 
Now, now magically, Carhartt's too fucking woke for some of these assholes. That's it's twenty twenty two, bro. We're all woke today. Are you woke? Are you are you fake woke? But yeah, Carhartt's got three thousand employees, and so in spite of that decision, they're still going to say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we heard you." We're still going to have a policy between these four walls. As of right now, that is the right to do so. Right. And so if it's on a business by business basis, and I also think proposing, listen, we can debate whether or not it's ethical to do so. It's not. To you. (laughs) Period. Let's be clear. To be clear. Because you're not on the fucking Supreme Court. <laughs> Although I should be. It's Tad yeah. Calpar Bros for, for Supreme Court. Because other companies, not just companies, universities, school districts, I mean, we already covered uh, uh, medical uh, systems that were trying to say, oh, this isn't right. I'm like, y'all ass work in a hospital for Christ's sake. You should get this. You should get this better than most. Yeah, that's why I think that that, that part's not going to change because of that aspect. Now, and that's again pointing out again, like you said, like, like we both said, it's for medical facilities that had that you know offer medic or rather take Medicare and Medi- uh, Medicaid patients stuff like that, um, which obviously senior citizens typically mostly not always but mostly. So that's probably why that part's never going to go, go away, which is what it is. Not advocating for it or against it. But it is what it is. But yeah, the if if the if the proposal did nothing else, it kind of forced a lot of these companies to kind of show their hand. And, and frankly, a lot of these companies can't afford to be Switzerland on this one. Those are my thoughts. Well, I, I will say this: God help this country if anything ever comes out legally. That says that businesses don't have a right to enforce that. Then God forbid, this God help this country, because there's going to be lawsuits aplenty going around. You, you just mentioned we were only talking about businesses, like you said, school districts, universities, stuff like that. God help this country if that ever happens. It probably never will because again, they they probably recognize the legal ramifications of it. But God help this country if that that ever happens. That's not. It's- it's not the legal ramifications. Well, what, well, what, well, what like, I'm saying is, if if something comes out legally that indicates that businesses or employers of any kind didn't or don't have the right to enforce something like this, and they did anyway, particularly ones who did it on their own before Biden came out with his stuff, that that's what I'm referring to, because those companies did it on their own without being forced to forced into it by Biden, i.e., my previous employer. That's what I'm referring to. And there's probably lots of businesses out there like that. I'm just saying, because I think you can recognize if that ever happens, the court system may be tied up for a while. Right. Like Harvey Birdman. <laughs> All right. That concludes our segment on the um, Biden mandate um, on vaccinations with the Supreme Court. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Coming up next on Kyle Park Bros. Welcome back to the Cowboy Bros Podcast. Jason and I are fresh off the segment regarding the uh, vac- um, vaccine mandate from the Biden administration. 
um, obviously tied up in uh, Supreme Court hellscape. Yeah. Yeah, we are too far too pro-business as a country to, for that to be as, as nearly as unethical as you as you were proposing it was going to be. Um, in the, the third segment, we're going to be talking about something that apparently Jason says I never talk about, but I could have sworn this is probably the fourth or fifth baseball topic we've had on this show. So Compared to NFL, compared to football and basketball, though, count it up. Hey, hey, if you if we've discussed it five times, damn it, obviously it struck a nerve. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like we talked about hockey more than, more than baseball, so. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, maybe because of Vander Kane. Anyways, in this segment, we're going to be talking about the fact that uh, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame uh, nominations are in, and as – Impressive as they are for who got in, it's almost as impressive for who didn't get in. Um, Jason, you want to you want to come up with the breaking news? Who was actually uh, not uh, who was actually appointed uh, to the Hall of Fame today? Yeah, so we're recording this on Tuesday, so the nominations were announced like an hour before, or rather, the results were announced an hour before we actually started recording. We knew that going into it, but essentially, in the year of twenty twenty two. The Baseball Hall of Fame only elected one person this year into the Hall of Fame, which is more than last year. If you guys remember, nobody got in last year in 2020. But this year, David Ortiz, the man himself, was nominated to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, you need 75% of the votes to get in. He received 77.9%. Um, now, obviously, we're mentioning who, who did get in. I hate to say it, and I know the focus should be on who actually got in, but unfortunately what's going to happen is, you know, talk about who didn't get in, in particular, four people in particular. Um, that's kind of the story here, but I'll let you uh, go into that. Oh, oh, we're going to talk about it. Barry Bonds, all-time home run leader, not getting in. Roger Clemens. All-time Cy Young Award winner, not getting in. Us. Sammy Sosa. Is it, is it white Sammy Sosa or is it black Sammy Sosa? We got to confirm. Well, his playing career was all black Sammy Sosa. So the vampire Sammy Sosa didn't come out till after the fact. So, which, which, maybe, which, maybe, course, which maybe why all this happened. Had he gotten a Hall of Fame, maybe he wouldn't be doing all that stuff. So who knows? Yeah, man. Y'all stressing this man out over the last 10 damn years, whether or not he's going to get in. Shame, shame on y'all. He was tired of being a black Dominican. Yeah, he wanted to be white. <laughs> yep, yep. He 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 was trying to opt out of the Afro Afro Latin situation. Anyways, uh, also longtime ace pitcher Kurt Schilling, uh, rounding out fifty eight point six percent. All those dudes were in their tenth and final year of el eligibility. So that really begs the question. Why is and listen, I love David Ortiz. So congrats to that man. But Baseball Hall of Fame to me feels incomplete without those guys. At least, at least Barry Bonds. To me, Barry Bonds was gonna get in the Hall of Fame before he took steroids anyway. It's almost like two Hall of Fame careers. It's like Kobe with the number eight and then Kobe with the number 24. Barry Bonds before steroids and Barry Bonds after steroids. Both those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. You disagree? I I don't necessarily agree fully with the whole he was going to be in the Hall of Fame before he got to the Giants. Um, as far as his on-the-field case, obviously, you mentioned earlier, he's the all-time home career home runs leader. That's his big thing as to why he should be in the Hall of Fame is that. And obviously, pre-Giants, he wasn't anywhere close to getting that record. I think we both can agree, and anyone listening to this that knows baseball would agree that he was getting that number at his current, you know, ascension with the Pirates. Now, I keep saying the Giants-Pirates because, you know, 
most people believe he started the steroid stuff in 01, which I believe is around the time he went to the Giants. So, but like you said, that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's why Clemens isn't getting in. That's why Sammy Sosa's not getting in. There's also other guys on the list as well that aren't getting in. They haven't, they haven't gotten to their 10th year on the ballot. But those three specifically, that's why they're not getting in because of the PED stuff and the cheating stuff. Uh, Kurt Schilling, that's a different situation. But he also is on the last year's ballot not getting in. So, Why is it a different situation? Because he... I, not saying you're wrong, but can you tell more about sure that? because his situation wasn't because of, because of PEDs or anything like that. It was more of the fact that people thought he was a borderline Hall of Famer, maybe, but more so people felt like he was more of a jerk. Now with him, with him being on that line, which personally I feel like if you're on on the line, you're not a Hall of Famer, frankly. But with him being on the line, combined with being uh, considered a jerk. That's probably why he didn't get enough of the push to get in the Hall of Fame. He was really, he was really close. In 2020, he it was above 70 percent, like 71 and some change. So he was close, and people would think, okay, he can get enough this year to get in. He only needs another four percent. But just the opposite, he actually went way down. He only had 58.6 percent this year, so he went way down. So, so that's why I say he's different than the other three because his situation wasn't PEDs. It was just that. You a jerk is what you're saying. I mean, people also said the same thing about Barry Bonds. He was a jerk, but they also had the PED stuff to fall back on. Which, by the way, I will say this. And I'm not defending Barry Bonds because people, I can tell you, I, don't, I never liked the dude anyway. Again, don't know him personally, just from what he put, put out there in the media. One thing I do want to point out is I don't believe Barry Bonds ever actually tested positive as far as a baseball test for PEDs. But the, the one, again, not saying you shouldn't get in the Hall of Fame either. One thing I found interesting is that you know who else actually at least once tested positive for PEDs? David Ortiz. So I find, I mean, I find an article, we can talk about that later, but I just find it interesting that these three we just mentioned, Sosa, uh, excuse me, Bonds and Clemens aren't, aren't in because of their PED stuff. Or cheating. But David Ortiz once tested positive. Now there's some murkiness involved with it, so maybe that might be his saving grace. Or the fact that people actually like David Ortiz might be his saving grace. But I just find it interesting how we're damning these three, but not another guy who tested positive. So your thoughts, sir? I think that's what it boils down to. There's a reason Barry Bonds ain't in a damn uh, analysis chair with the MLB network and Ortiz is living it up on Fox. He's a, he's a more, he's a more engaging guy. Ortiz was more fun to probably follow when he played bonds. Didn't want to give these motherfuckers the time of day that the specter of the fact that people thought, you know, he didn't kiss the media's ass. He didn't want anything to do with it. And so he's paying a price for that. I think a lot of times it's not what people do is whether or not you got a good rapport with them. And so is Ortiz getting the benefit of the doubt? Probably. I think that's a good detail if you're mentioning it. I did mention it. Because obviously, obviously some of these, enough of these voters are like, nah, that's all right. We're not going to hold that against you. I also didn't. I also didn't know that you need damn near three fourths to be in the hall. Yep, yep. Like that's that's you. I mean that's that's insane. Uh, that's what it takes. That percentage is what it takes to get in the Hall of Fame. It's probably harder to get there in that hall than any any of the others. Is, right? I mean, is it really insane? No. I mean, think about it. We're talking about the guys guys who are supposed to be the greatest players ever to, to win the game. And so I mentioned, like, for example, I mentioned Kurt Schilling. I feel like he's not a Hall of Famer or, or borderline at best. I've always said that when you're, when you bring up a player, and this is in any sport, you know who's a Hall of Famer or not. Now, you're a casual baseball guy, but I'm sure there's certain players I can name to you right now. That, and you'll say, 
are they, I'll ask you, are they a Hall of Famer? And you'll immediately say yes. My thought is, if you have to think about it even for a millisecond, then they're not a Hall of Famer. Simple as that. So if I ask any baseball guy who knows anything about baseball, is Kershaw a Hall of Famer? And frankly, if there's any really debate on it, then I feel like you're not a Hall of Famer. And I'm just speaking of the merits of the game, not PED stuff, nothing else. If the merits of the game, you have to debate whether you're not a Hall of Famer, then you're not a Hall of Famer. So I feel like the 75% isn't really that, you know, too much to ask. I mean, put four people in a room who know baseball, and if you can't get three of them to say you're a Hall of Famer, then you probably aren't a Hall of Famer. I also think a lot of this is so much of what drives Major League Baseball is that the the personalities and so for many people you know i think of a guy like mitch album right who has made it clear like i don't like that motherfucker i don't like this i don't like this fucking player like that that part of that element of the um the voting process i it can't be understated right and so that's why i'm saying that a lot of this has to do with the fact, yeah, maybe maybe people don't like Barry Bonds, but if it's no longer a meritocracy, um, and not to mention, I don't, I, I was never one of those guys who were like, oh, we need to put an asterisk by this. Listen, a home run's a fucking home run. Well, okay? I don't agree with that completely, but okay. Especially, especially when you got thirty different ass ballparks, <laughs> like there's no there's no standardization. Okay, so a home run is definitely a home run, but um, I feel we I feel weird. It feels very bizarre that much of what made Major League Baseball what it was after the lockout, and ironically, guess where we are? Another lockout. Cooperstown is basically gonna gonna snub its nose at the era that brought baseball back from the brink. Well, that's not a reason to put people in the Hall of Fame, though. Um, but it's all yeah, but they're all but they're also making it a reason to not put people in the Hall of Fame, which is what I'm arguing. So, okay, maybe, but I can see the people's point as to why that person individual shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because you feel like they, which I definitely see your point when it comes to the whole asterisk thing. And I see people's point when they say a home run's a home run, even though I don't agree with that. But I, I guess if you're, a, and I don't want to use the, the word purist because eh, who's really a purist? But I, I guess what the problem is, is that it's not even necessarily, I think, for some people that you're comparing the P, uh, PED guys to other people or themselves, rather, or the, to the records. You actually are comparing them to people you think did it the right way or you know did it the right way, whatever. You know what I mean? And that's why those individuals aren't, aren't going to get in at this point. Uh, I mean, Barry Bonds and Clemens probably had the best shot to do it. They Again, they were in the you know high 60s for voting. Um, they just couldn't get enough votes. And now, now, now in uh, Bonds' case, maybe if he wasn't a jerk, or actually vice versa, maybe if he wasn't on the PEDs, he, he might, might have gotten in. If he was just a jerk and not the PEDs, he might have gotten in. He might have got that extra 7% of votes to get in. But I'll tell you something else, Terrence. Conversations like this are probably going to continue for another nine years. You want to know why? Why? Because on this year's vote, there was a certain player on the ballot for their first time. One Alex Rodriguez. Someone who very notably was busted for PEDs way back in 03, I believe it was. And now he's someone who has almost 700 home runs. So this year, he's on the ballot. He only received 34.3% of the votes. Now, by comparison's sake, Barry Bonds never got less than that. So that 34.3% that Rodriguez got this year was less than Bonds had at any point of Bonds' 10 years on the ballot. So this argument is probably going to continue for another nine years with him on the ballot. He's not going to get the 5% to fall off the ballot, so he's going to be on it for the next, 10 year, for the next nine years. Um, so I have a question though. 
for you. This is specifically for you. So obviously you're a fan of the Cubs. You're a Cubs follower. And obviously, you know, Sosa is a Cub. He's a Cub guy. What are your thoughts specifically about Sammy Sosa not getting in the Hall of Fame? Um, my, my, my thoughts are Sammy Sosa had what, like four or five fantastic years as a Cub. Um, he absolutely has some shortcomings. Uh, I would not have called him necessarily like a, a natural leader of a franchise, but you know, he, he made, he made baseball fun. And he, he, him along with uh, McGuire brought baseball back from the brink, man, because the, the casual fan was fed the fuck up with baseball. That's the thing that strikes um, do for uh, sport, sports leagues is that the average fan does not want to get into this bullshit between players and owners. And the only thing worse than feeling bad for motherfuckers that are making millions is feeling bad for motherfuckers that make billions with your tax money. So to, to, to me, um, I would love to see another Cub um, in the Hall of Fame, obviously. Um, a big chunk of my childhood was based off seeing Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire duel it out over the course of a year, it's probably the most I've ever paid attention to baseball. 1998. So that was the year that was the year that I had the Super Nintendo uh, with the King Griffey uh, junior baseball game. And yeah, dog, like that's probably the most I ever cared about baseball. Okay. So for for Cooperstown to effectively, you know, snub its 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 um and and stub thumb its nose at one of its uh late nineties saviors. Yeah. Feels a little odd. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that specifically by Sammy, because again, you follow the you know the Cubs and whatnot. Uh you also mentioned Mark McGuire, another guy who not in the Hall of Fame because his PED uh, situation, somebody had more home run or you know, 500 home runs, which is that benchmark to get in the Hall of Fame as a hitter. Um, so you had the connection to Sammy Sosa. I had a connection a little bit with the Mark McGuire side of it because I was actually a Mark McGuire fan on the field. Uh, wasn't really an A's fan, te- technically. Was never a Cardinal fan, but I did live in Southern Illinois by St. Louis during the Cardinal years. So, so I was down there during you know during that year, um, and also in Southern Illinois, like way down in Carbondale as well. Uh, and I remember I was actually in Carbondale when he hit the, you know, the 61st uh, home run, 62nd home run. Um, but so it's, it, I, I kind of agree with you a little bit. It's very weird to see those two guys in particular not in the Hall of Fame. Like I said, in 1998, they helped bring back ratings for baseball that summer. You mentioned that you paid so much attention to baseball more than you ever had that year. I'm sure there are millions of people that probably could say the same thing. And that is what it is. Uh, it is unfortunate that you know, they're potentially going to have another labor dispute and baseball this pulls a report to spring training here next month in February. Uh, so hopefully they can get that squared away. But, uh, yeah, it is very interesting. The, the, the era of baseball that you and I grew up on, a lot of the big stars aren't going to get in. I mean, so many guys from the area, era reached 500 home runs and they're not getting in. Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, Mr. A-Rod. We'll see if he gets in. Doubt it. Gary Sheffield, Manny Ramirez. You know, all those guys aren't getting in. I'm sure there's others. Rafael Palmero. All those guys aren't getting in. They hit the benchmark of the 5 on home runs that we all love to see all during our era, but none of them are getting in because they're taking the shots in the cheeks. So, um... I guess I shouldn't say all of them. They could have been taking the pills, whatever. But you know what I mean. I know for a fact McGuire was in the stall with Canseco shooting each other up. I know that for a fact. Not that, not because I was there. Because it was in the book. So, 
Because 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 you were with them and shooting in the stalls is that is that where we're going? As, as cool as say <laughs> as cool as it might be to say that I was hanging out with Conseco McGuire, I don't think that's a, the scenario I want that story to be told. So, uh, but fortunately that didn't happen. But but yeah, it's, uh, that really inter- interesting. Baseball is my favorite sport. The '90s baseball, my favorite decade. Obviously, that's what I was growing up. So it's very interesting to see that a lot of the stars they hit the 500 plateau mark and played during that time frame. They're not getting in. And some of these guys might get forgotten, you know, which hey, is what it is. So, I don't think I don't think these guys are going to get forgotten. I think if anything, Cooperstown is going to stand out for not having them. I don't think they're going to be forgotten. Well, not so much Bonds, obviously, because he still has that claim to fame, being the home run leader. Not him. Pro- maybe not Clemens. Maybe not. But Schilling, Sosa, you know. Like I said, Sheffield's going to fall off eventually. A Rod's going to be out there because he's on he's on TV and everything. Uh, I think actually Gary Sheffield is too, but um, that and that's what I mean. These guys aren't making any relevancy when it comes to staying in the media, so this Hall of Fame stuff for them is going to go away. Bonds, like I said, will be the exception. But all these other guys like Ramirez, you know, Sosa, Palmero. Now that they're off the ballot, well, Ramirez is off the ballot, but they're not not getting in. Once all these guys are off the ballot. At some point, they're going to get forgotten about because they're not playing baseball anymore. They're not on TV, you know, as an analyst. They're not on the Hall of Fame vote. So, other than some random trivia question comes up about that happens to be, you know, they happen to be the answer, they're going to be forgotten. Like I said, Bonds is the exception because he can get brought up all the time because he's he still has seven hundred plus home runs, you know. Um, yeah, just my thought on that. Okay, that concludes our segment on the Hall of Fame, or dare I say the Hall of Shame. Uh, Coming up next, we'll give our final thoughts and we'll wrap up the show. Coming up, Cal Fire Pros. All right, Tyrone Biggums, whenever you're ready. All right. Got the big one. Got the big uh, hat on and the crack on your chin. No S. Capital Three. C. Shut up. Thank you for listening to the Calvart Bros Podcast with your host, Terrence and Jason. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. Five stars as always are appreciated. You can send the show feedback or show topics at calvartbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calvartbros.com. You can always reach us at the Calvart Bros voicemail at 405-877-2767. That's 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message is going to end up on a future episode of this year's podcast. Jason, any final thoughts for the people? Final thoughts are, man, I love this episode. You know, I always love getting into these conversations with you, whether it be sports, you know, politics, culture, life, current events, all the tenets of the show that aren't politics. But, um, <laughs> it's a good episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you loved it. Hope you're going to live it and then do it because you know we are the podcast to watch. So thank you for that. We see you watching it. We see you listening. So thank you for you know showing us that support, showing us that love, putting some respect on the Cal Park Bros name. We appreciate that. Make sure you're, you're going to all the social media, connecting with us there. 
send us voice messages, emails, whatever you want to say. We're approaching our one-year anniversary, Terrence. We're it's fast, it's fast approaching. Gonna be here before you know it, folks. But um, yeah, so make sure, like I said, keep everything up. Keep watching us on uh, IGTV, YouTube, all stuff like that. Recognize that we are the podcast to le listen to and hear and watch. Live it, love it, and do that. But of course, finally, you know how it has got to end. With the hashtag, the catchphrase, and the tagline. When it comes to all things Cal Park Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? Amen, Jason. And with that said, this is Cal Park Bros, signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?